I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel through time, through stories of Lord Buddha and the verses of Arthashastra to modern times and understand how India developed a tense relationship with alcohol. In the past, when Brahmadatta was reigning as the king of Banaras, a forester and inhabitant of the kingdom of Kasi called Sura went to the Himalayas to look for goods. A tree had grown there which was divided into three parts. Between the three parts there was a hole that filled with water when it rained. Surrounding this were cherubic myrobalan, embelic myrobalan and black pepper plants. Their ripe fruit broke off and fell into the hole. Close to this was some rice growing wild. Parrots collected the ears of rice from there and sat eating them on the tree. And while they were eating, winter paddy and tea husk rice fell in there. And thus, brewing by the sun's heat, the water became red. In the hot season, thirsty flocks of birds drank this and intoxicated fell at the tree's base. After sleeping for a few hours, they flew off chirping. Palm civets, monkeys and other animals also behaved in the very same way. The forester saw this and in the process accidentally discovered alcohol. This story is from the Kumbha Jataka or the previous birth story of the jar. Jataka tales could be dated to be around 500 to 1000 AD and were stories about the previous births of Buddha. The drink came to be known as Sura in the honor of the man who discovered it. Sura brewing is even older though for there are two hymns in the Atharva Ved that allude to the stages and components of sura brewing. In the Ramayana, Ram is compared at one point to the best sura. In her encounter with Ravan in the jungle, Sita expresses disdain for Ravan by comparing him to Ram. The difference between a lion and a jackal, the difference between a little stream and an ocean, the difference between the best sura and sar gruel. That is the difference between Ram and you. So what happened? When did we start having such a moralistic view of alcohol? Ancient texts do warn us about the dangers of alcohol, including a sobering speech by Indra in the Jataka tales. However, they're also replete with brewing and drinking rituals and detailed descriptions of drinking sessions and events. The story of India's puritanical views about alcohol is as complex as the country itself. India has a long tradition of brewing alcohol. Apong is a drink made by the missing people. a Tibeto-Burmese indigenous ethnic group inhabiting the northeastern Indian states of Assam and Arunachal Pradesh. One variety of apong is made by adding ashes of rice husks to cooked rice along with starter cakes. Another alcoholic drink, Hariya, is brewed in parts of Odisha and West Bengal. The drink is made by mixing a small starter cake called ranu with cooked rice. Many tribes and communities in India have considered their brewing rituals a part of their cultural heritage. but the colonial rule brought about a change the british followed a rather convenient policy they taxed alcohol heavily with the stated aim of reducing consumption but earned significant revenue from it 
both the British and Indian nationalists though had one thing in common. They were both influenced by the temperance movement in America. Rooted in America's Protestant churches, it first urged moderation, then encouraged drinkers to help each other to resist temptation and finally demanded that local, state and national governments prohibit alcohol outright. This in turn influenced the temperance movement in Great Britain, which was kicked off by the Irish Presbyterian Church. On the other end of the spectrum stood Indian nationalists led by Mahatma Gandhi. His social reconstruction motives were enforced by pickets on liquor stalls and propaganda against the consumption of liquor. However, the crowning glory of this resistance was India's Achilles heel, caste. The values pushed by the temperance movement and Indian nationalists fit well into Brahminical purity norms. Outside of Muslims and Brahmins, the consumption of liquors, both imported from abroad and local spirits and fermented drinks like arak and toddy, was fairly common in urban and rural areas. But the aspiration of being upper caste gave rise to puritanical movements. The Tana Bhagat movement in Chota Nagpur, which spread to other Orao settlements in North Bengal, also involved purification rituals and abandoning the consumption of liquor. Other prominent communities, such as the Santhals, Mundas and the Ho, experienced similar movements that included selective high caste purification rituals with an emphasis on the prohibition of liquor. Meanwhile, the British brought about heavy taxation on indigenous alcohol. The locally produced spirits were taxed by each government and paid a second fairly stiff excise levy when exported to another region. For example, the production of toddy in Bombay was constrained by crushing taxes, while the Mora Act of 1892 entirely banned the collection and sale of mahua flour. It was crucial to the tribal population who used it for food, fodder and the brewing of alcohol. In urban areas, the colonial state promoted tea and coffee as temperance drinks and the Congress government wanted to promote neera instead of toddy. The case of Tamil Nadu calls for special mention. The Tamil Brahmin leader and president of the All India Prohibition League, C. Raj Gopalachari wrote, we should help them towards getting a square meal and feeding their women and children by shutting up the toddy and arak shops. During his brief association with the Congress between 1919 and 1925, the South Indian leader E.V. Ramaswamy Periyar reportedly cut down 500 trees on his plantations to demonstrate solidarity with the Gandhian movement. By the late 1930s, however, Periyar's stance on toddy had changed as dramatically. In October 1937, the very month of prohibition's introduction in the Madras presidency, he said that India would never be rid of toddy. The alcohol he claimed was enmeshed within the very cultural fabric of the Dravidian nation. It had since ancient times been valued for its medicinal properties in South Indian society. Other communities who opposed any sort of prohibition were the Parsis, the Dalits and the indigenous people. When India gained independence in 1947, prohibition was included in the directive principles of the Constitution of India. Over time, India developed a tense relationship with alcohol, seen varyingly as a drink of the lower caste and class, as a drink of nefarious elements and as a destroyer of households. It came to be banned in the state of Gujarat, Bihar, Nagaland and Mizoram. The changing contours of India's relationship with alcohol is a classic reflection of India's ever-changing food landscape. Whether you consume alcohol or not, do remember that things may not always be as they seem. And one does not need to be intoxicated to see that. If you like this podcast, 
Don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram.